The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Monday. No, Tuesday. I don't know what time it is. It's either Monday or Tuesday. We're recording it on Monday, April 19th. Uh, we have it up on YouTube as well. You can watch it there. And we're going to talk about offensive line and defensive line rankings. We're going to rank all the classes. I'm- we're going to do the top five. Chris Jordigas, Chris Trapasso. What's up, buddy? How's it going, Will? Thanks for having me again. I think this is the third time I've been on during the pre-draft process. Well, and it's just draft. looking, well, that makes sense. And looking out my window, I feel like it's appropriate that I'm coming on when it's getting to be golf season. Cause I know you're going to be, you probably already hit the links where you live. It's starting to get a little warmer where I can maybe golf this weekend. Um, so I think it's appropriate that we're talking. We just had the masters. Uh, it's appropriate that we're talking draft because I'm a draft analyst and that it's golf season and we're both big golf guys. Yeah, I am, uh, yeah, the golf, the golf is happening around here, man. You're up in Buffalo, <laughs> North Carolina. We've been golfing since January. Uh, on this episode, <laughs> we'll talk about the top offensive linemen and defensive linemen in the draft class. Uh, you can check out wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs in the feed as well. So clearly this is not Monday or Tuesday, more than likely. It's later in the week. I'm an idiot. Carry on. Coming up, linebackers, edge rushers, and defensive backs will rank them all leading up to the draft. Of course, we will have, um, we've been kind of hinting at draft props that we've been giving out and we'll reference them throughout the show and throughout uh, you know, these prospect rankings. Uh, but we'll do a big draft prop breakdown, uh, moving forward at some point. You can also watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash pick six, little secret. Sometimes you can get the pick six episodes before the audio drops. So make sure and subscribe there. Even if you don't want to watch, please hit the subscribe button and hook us up you want some fantasy baseball advice every morning the same way you get your early edge action then you should check out fantasy baseball today in five as frank stanfield scott white and chris towers get you the latest news waiver wire advice sleepers to stream and much more to help you dominate your league download and follow anywhere you listen to this podcast all right to the offensive line where you know i think traps this is a um you know look this is a it's a pretty good offensive line class i don't know if that's because the offensive linemen are great or if it's because there's this draft is funky and there aren't a ton of good defenders, is it? Which one is it more of? Is it a good offensive line class, or the offensive linemen moved up because a complete lack of edge rushers and really a, a complete dearth of defensive line, interior defensive linemen? It's a little bit of both, but your last point, the interior defensive line class, which we're going to talk about today, is not very good, but. I think for the second straight year, it is a very talented offensive tackle class. And you remember some of the older listeners remember that back in the day, like the safest thing a team could do in the first round, pick an offensive tackle. And then we had about seven to 10 years of really bad offensive tackle classes. I think the college programs are catching up with wide receivers. They're pumping out 20, 30 good wide receivers every year. And I think offensive tackles are getting more experience in pass protection that is better readying themselves mm. for the NFL. So I think last year's was great, especially in round one. Uh, and we're going to have another class with 
four or five or maybe even six offensive tackles that go in the first round and then they ultimately have good rookie seasons. I mean, last year really was incredible. You know, you had uh, Andrew Andrew Thomas who struggled a little bit early on, but looked looked very much the part of the number four overall pick uh, later on down down the uh, down the season. Jedrick Wills was a member of a playoff team for the for the Cleveland Browns and a big a big you know big impact player for them. Makai Becton looks like a friggin' All Pro superstar as much as an offensive lineman can be that Tristan worst won a Super Bowl. Um Austin Jackson, Isaiah Isaiah Wilson busted out. But you know, Ezra Cleveland, I mean there's some there's some really good players in this in this offensive line group. And it does feel I mean I agree with you. I think that when you look at the top group of guys here that you can see uh maybe some really impact 2021 players especially when you start to factor in what teams we think will be drafting offensive linemen and how they'll be able to plug and play in, in fairly good systems in uh, for teams that, that need the help and that can that can accentuate their strengths. But I've got to ask you first, Traps. You have uh, outside of your top five, Elijah Vera Tucker at a USC, a guy that I, I feel like is getting a ton of draft heat and maybe could go – I don't know, as high as 11? Is that too high? As high as 6? Who knows? Well, the main reason that I have him outside of my top five tackles is I think he's best at guard. In 2020, he did make the very unusual transition from left guard to left tackle. Normally, we see it go the other way from tackle to guard. And he had a really good pass protection season at left tackle for the Trojans this year, but his arms are under 33 inches. And me being a draft analyst, I have to be a stickler about offensive tackle arm length Mm. and his 2019 film. I remember watching him over the summer. I was like, this is a first round guard. He is so balanced, so athletic, very good combo blocker. I didn't think that he needed to make that transition out to left tackle, but making that move to me indicated that his coaches understood how good of an athlete he was. It's hard to find a prospect that went from left guard or right guard out to tackle and then excelled there. So I just think, could a team pick him and say, you're going to be just a smaller, a little bit shorter left tackle? Definitely. And I don't think 11 to the Giants is completely out of the question, but I just think he's best suited and will tap into all of the talents that he has at guard at the next level. So we're talking offensive tackles. Any, like, there's no hating on Elijah Vera Tucker. I just think he's a guard. Okay. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I guess you don't take a guard. So where do you see Elijah Vera Tucker slotting in then on this, uh, on the first round draft board? Like, because I think somewhere from like the mid portion of round one to like pick 25, 26, that's where I think he'll ultimately go because there is the versatility. Two years of pretty clean film. Um, but the limitations with his length and that he's not crazy powerful being a little bit of a smaller blocker. Um, Makes me think he'll probably go a little bit further, but it wouldn't be the first time Dave Gettleman throws us a curveball if he picks mm. him at number 11 overall. So he's a really good player. I have him graded just outside my first round. Um, but I, I will totally get it if a team says, we've seen Isaiah win. We've seen Jonah Williams, these smaller tackles that can come in and they don't need to be six, five with 36 inch arms and they can still produce early in their careers and falling in love with Elijah Vera Tucker. I mean, I guess the theory would be for Dave Gettleman here is that, and I was having a debate about what Dave Gettleman's going to do. I, I personally think he's going to go to Devontae Smith at 11, but I do think that there's a possibility of Dave Gettleman saying, okay, you know, I want to help Daniel Jones. I want to, I want to align men. 
two, the top two guys are maybe off the board. And we'll get to them in a second, but he looks at Elijah Vera Tucker and thinks I can play him at guard in 2021. And then after we get rid of Nate Solder this coming season, we move him over to right tackle. And then you have Elijah Vera Tucker on the right side and Andrew Thomas on the left side, Will Hernandez on the, you know, in the interior. And you feel like you've got a pretty good offensive line to protect Daniel Jones. I, I don't know if that's. I, I do, I do feel like he's going to go wide receiver at 11, but it is possible that he, that he goes, uh, with it. It's, it's going to be tough for them to take a straight up tackle, I think, because it's not going to be like, if you think Nate Solder is going to play and you have Andrew Thomas, you know, you're taking a, a backup right tackle at 11. If you take, you know, Rashawn Slater or Christian Darasol there, I mean, that's, you know, and that, so that's why I think that Elijah Vera Tucker could make sense for the Giants if Gettleman hasn't that highly ranked. Yeah, and that's why I think there will be a team that will fall in love with him and pick him somewhere from, like I said, from pick maybe 14. I think the Minnesota Vikings would make a lot of sense because of that same reason, that you can get good play out of him on the interior at guard, and especially for the Vikings. They like that zone scheme where they like the agility in their offensive linemen. That's Vera Tucker's game. And then, hey, we all of a sudden have a need at left tackle in 2022 or right tackle, whether you're the Giants or you're the Vikings, two teams that I think could really like Vera Tucker based on their situations. You kick them out, like you said, so you get one quality year at one position, and then you move them out to the technically more valuable spot later on, but still on that cheap rookie contract. Okay, let's move on to number five, your fifth-ranked prospect at on offensive line, Alex Leatherwood. I mean, what a name for a, a helmet-smashing awesome offensive lineman out of Alabama. Yeah, he is to me the most underrated offensive tackle prospect because we're not really hearing anything about him. And it's strange because he locked down the left side for Tua and then for Mac Jones, two straight seasons in the SEC, um, only allowed 29 pressures in his last 914 pass blocking snaps. That's pretty close mm. to the same rate that Tristan Wirfs had in his final two years at Iowa. His film is really boring to watch. He just blocks everything. Occasionally, <laughs> he can like stop his feet when he contacts an edge rusher, leaves him a little bit susceptible to a counter move, but he's very, very strong, has the length that you want. He's over 6'5", over 33-inch arms. He played guard early in his career at Alabama, so you know he can you know, sink his hips and, and play very well in the run game. To have that type of production against guys who are future – NFL edge rushers in the SEC and we're hearing like nothing about him. Plus he tested very well at the Alabama pro day. His top comparison on mock draftable. One of my favorite sites this time of year is Trent Williams. So like he is a high caliber athlete two years in the SEC from Alabama. I wouldn't be surprised or, or scoff at the idea of him going inside the first round. I have him graded just a little bit worse than that, like early 30. So Alex Leatherwood, for a team like the Cincinnati Bengals, if they go Jamar Chase at five, should target Alex Leatherwood at the top of round two. Okay, I like that. I dig that. And, you know, that becomes a question of would you rather have Panay Sewell and Rondell Moore or Jamar Chase and Alex Leatherwood? And I think I'm probably leaning towards Jamar Chase and, and Leatherwood. Leatherwood's me too. He's a monster. I mean, like just inside, I mean, like size wise, he's just a monster. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know, man. Um, all right. Leatherwood is a little bit of a surprise there with, with most people going Elijah Vera Tucker. Also a surprise, your number four offensive lineman, Rashawn Slater. Oh no. I have, I have, yeah, his, I, under, I have his under <laughs> ten and a half. 
Traps are killing Yeah, he's going to – well, I think you could still bet that because he probably is going to go somewhere in the top ten uh, that that he could even – and we heard early on in the pre-draft process that some teams liked him more than Penny Sewell. Rashawn and by, Slater – And by the way, Rashawn Slater at William Hill, our fine friends over there, plus 280 to be the first – Offensive lineman oh. off the board. Of course, Panay Sewell, the favorite there, but, but Slater, the next up. There's probably some value, I guess, in, in Darisol or Elijah Vera Tucker there at 25 and, and 40 to 1 just because of that's a deep number and who knows what could happen. But, you know, Slater, a very popular pick to possibly go as the first offensive lineman off the board. Yeah, the one thing with him, and last year, no one had Andrew Thomas being the first offensive tackle off the board. Like Dave Gettleman surprised everyone. So what you just said for the Christian Darsaw, twenty-five to one, I you did. It. You had I, that in your last mock. Oh yeah, I had it in my mock, and I bet well, you're, it. Too. You're an expert better. We know that from your, your <laughs> that's, history that's not true. of doing that. But thank you. Um, with Rashawn Slater, he checks all the boxes athletically and with technique, like sliding inside against counter moves. His pass protection. He famously kind of appeared on the draft radar when he kind of shut down Chase Young in 2019 and no one else did that in the Big Ten. I'm just a little bit concerned about the power element of his game, that he lacks not length but girth and width. So I think at times he's going to be pushed back into the quarterback at the NFL level to go back to mock draftable. His top comparison of an NFL veteran is actually J.C. Treader, who plays hmm. center now. So he's like that type. He's a smaller, movement-based offensive tackle, very good technique and balance. I just think that the scouting report for defensive ends on him will be you can push him back into the quarterback with relative ease. So I think it might take him like we saw with Andrew Thomas, a half of a season, two-thirds of a season, or maybe one full season for Rashawn Slater to get to be that NFL strong uh, that I think is very important for young blockers. And you can have all the technique in the world, but every Sunday you're facing someone that is immensely powerful on the edge. So that's why I'm a little bit lower on Rashawn Slater. I still have a first-round grade on him. I just wouldn't pick him as early as like pick eight or pick nine because of some of the other tackles that we're going to talk about. Okay, so you think... Is Slater somebody that could slide inside as well in that sort of the Dave Gettle? I mean, I'm just thinking back to the Giants at 11, if they end up going with offensive linemen. Yeah, he could. He's a little bit longer than Elijah Vera Tucker, and I think uh he deals with power a little bit better. That's just the two deficiencies with both of those blockers. And I think more so than their you know supposed lack of length, I think that was a reason that people were like, hey, they should probably play guard and just be try to win the angle battle and the leverage battle because – they're not going to be able to deal with a 260-pound uh, defensive end flying around the corner where they need to sit into that anchor. I do think, though, that Rashawn Slater, conversely uh, compared to Elijah Vera Tucker, will be best at tackle in the NFL. I brought up two guys already. Isaiah Wynn and Jonah Williams are similarly sized. They've played very well when they've been healthy out on the edge. So I think Rashawn Slater will go earlier than I have him ranked. I'm just a little bit concerned about dealing with power early in his NFL career. Okay, so I mentioned that, I mean, do you think there's a chance that he's the first offensive lineman off the board? I think there's a chance, yeah, definitely. Okay. And uh, I'll think, talk about Penny Sewell in a second. But what do, you think, what do you think there's value at plus 280 for Rashawn Slater to be the first one off the board? 100%. One hundred percent. You can't because, bet you can't bet Panay Sewell at minus seven fifty. I mean, that's insane. Exactly. That's why I think from a value play at plus two eighty, because he is a freak athletically and he tested like that at the Northwestern Pro Day, and he plays like that on the field. It's hard 
for one of those quick penetrators to to beat him just in a one-on-one rep because he is so athletic at like 6'4 and 300 pounds. And I mentioned this with Wilson previously when we were talking about I think we were talking about Greg Newsom maybe. I think that you're going to see these North, we've never seen really a draft no. where Northwestern guys were involved in the first round discussion. The last guy who was taken that early and I, I said, it didn't matter because ever. Yeah. There was a first round pick by the Chargers a few years ago, but the, the point being is that it was not a pass. Pat Fitzgerald team. And I think that Pat Fitzgerald is the type of coach, the type of disciplinarian, the type of guy who gets the most out of these players at Northwestern, you know, and it's, it's a similar situation, I think, to Greg Schiano and Rutgers. And what you would see from NFL teams, Bill Belichick in particular, is a real infatuation with the sort of discipline and the pro readiness as both a player on the field and off the field that comes with being as part of that Pat Fitzgerald program. So I think you could see these Northwestern guys push up quite a bit because teams, you know, in a year where we don't, it's a lot harder to know about character flags and off field issues. I just think they will see if it comes down to like a tiebreaker, let's say like, you know, Slater being from that Northwestern program, even though he opted out, just, I just think that's going to be a good tiebreaker for NFL teams. And they will be intrigued by the idea of, of players coming out of Pat Fitzgerald's system. Yeah. And one last point on that, I think to what you said, Rashawn Slater was not some five-star recruit that landed there. Like he is on the upward swing of his football playing career that at Northwestern, you're a two-star, you're a three-star. And for him to ascend all the way to locking down Chase Young, the defensive rookie of the year in his junior season, uh, getting stronger in the weight room and his technique is almost perfect in pass protection. I think you're right. Coaches will really like that, that even though he was really good on film in the big 10 in 2019, he probably still has the best football ahead of him. Okay. Moving along to your number three uh, draft prospect at on the offensive line, Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma state, bit of a surprise there. Yeah, he is. I mean, just talking about Elijah Vera Tucker and Rashawn Slater, that they lack power. That is not Tevin Jenkins. If you watch him on film, he is putting guys into the dirt like almost every other snap. And that's in the run game or even times in pass protection. Like if there is a weaker edge rusher, he will throw him to the ground. But he's a very impressive athletically for being this kind of mauler type that we normally see like, okay, he's a good run blocker, but his kick slides aren't very good. He's sloppy in pass protection. I'm very balanced, got a lot of experience in that kind of wide open Oklahoma State, uh, attack. The only thing, he's a right tackle in college. I don't know if we've kind of gotten to the point where teams just want you to be a good tackle and they understand how important just having a good right tackle is in today's NFL. That could ding him a little though, because I don't know if every team feels that way that, I mean, Jedrick Wills just went from right tackle to left tackle and it was completely fine. Sure. But Tevin Jenkins, I think, gives you similar athletic traits to what Elijah Vera Tucker and Rashawn Slater do. He just has more power and he's a little bit longer with his arms. He's almost six foot six. Um, and he's another one tested very well at his pro day. So I think was Chicago Bears who, at the, 20. Was Jenkins the one who went viral? Awesome. Was Jenkins the one who went viral with all the, or was that Slater? Who went viral? Somebody. I think it was Slater with all like the power okay. lifting and stuff. That was Slater. Like, okay, but Jenkins has glasses. Do they both have glasses? Is that? Okay. They both, yeah. Jenkins looks like he's like the valedictorian of his high school class and would yeah. never touch a football field. But you watch him, he is the complete opposite of like a nerdy type on the field. He's very, very nasty. Just longer and more powerful than Slater. That's why he, in my grading system, graded a little bit higher. Okay. Uh, all right. 
Interesting. That's a, I mean, not, not a crazy outside the box thing, but I think that, you know, uh, certainly a different consensus top two for you. And then, and second overall, you have Christian Darisol out of Virginia Tech. He's different in that he is not someone that is going to have a lot of highlight real pancake blocks, but I don't really think that's important. He's like effortlessly powerful. Like everything he does on the field, whether that be getting to the second level in the run game, just a normal pass protection play, it's like he's not exerting that much energy. And I kind of like that, that it doesn't look like he is tapping into every ounce of his power. Another one, very long, like over 6'5", uh, 34, 35-inch arms. So he checks the physical boxes, and I like how impressive of a mover he is, like I said, in those zone-blocking plays or when he's dealing with someone that's just – a crazy fast and bendy outside rusher, uh, he can get there. And, and there's a lot of balance to his game. You don't see him bull rush very often. Like he truly, for me, checked so many boxes. Like I, I didn't see like, oh, he's going to get attacked this way once he gets to the NFL because he can stop blocker or stop edge rushers in a variety of ways. Uh, he's just a, a really good prospect. I think he's flying under the radar too. There's not a lot of buzz about him, you know, going top 15, top, top 10, but Christian Darasaw, I think will ultimately be a very good pro even early in his career because of what he does uh, in the power department. I think there's a decent chance that he goes top 10. You if- go to the Vikings. He could go to the Vikings at 14. Well, I mean, if, let's say, I mean, let's say things get flipped and, and this would be very, very bad for my personal financial well-being, but let's say that <laughs> the, the Bengals go Panay Sewell at five, the Lions take Rashawn Slater at seven, maybe the Panthers take Christian Darasaw at eight. I mean, you know, that would I'm make not, a lot of sense. I mean, that's not a crazy outcome if, 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 if those teams are thinking we need to get the offensive lineman and then all of a sudden these wide receivers are pushed way down. I don't think that's what's going to happen. We'll see. Um, but certainly. You know, it's on the table as a possibility. Uh, Panay Sewell, your top offensive tackle, the consensus top offensive tackle, really for the last two years. I think draws comps as, I mean, people have talked about him as one of the best offensive line prospects in the last decade, and which is high praise, especially considering what we saw last year, but just a freak athletic, uh, you know, dude who can, you know, just, he moves, he's strong. Uh, and I've seen comparisons to Trent Williams even. Yeah, what I've done through this pre-draft process, whether it be on a podcast, radio spot, even writing, like it's easier to just write like the one or two weaknesses that I saw on film for Penesuo than like just list his accolades and how good he is because everything that you said is completely spot on. Occasionally, he gets a little bit over aggressive in pass protection and you see that dreaded lunge where he gets out over his feet. It didn't happen like 50 times. It happened like three or four times. But I think it's, I, I like that in a blocker that he wants to be the aggressor and eight or nine times out of 10 when he is the aggressor, whether it be on a pass play or in the run game, he's going to win that rep going away. So I think that he'll have to get a, a little bit of reining in of that over aggression, but he was like blocking everyone as a 19 year old in the pack 12. Like that was completely unheard of. We know it is pro day, uh, tested amazingly at like six, five, three thirty. So he has like the movement skills of like Jason Kelsey at center, but he's like size, like Trent Williams. So I think the Bengals pick him at five. I would rather go Jamar chase because I think wide receiver is just actually becoming more valuable, but I would not fault them if they go Penny Sewell because he is whether a right tackle, left tackle, he is a franchise blocker from day one. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, defensive line rankings.
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And when I say defensive line rankings, what I mean is interior defensive line rankings, defensive tackles. We will not spend long on this because, frankly, the class isn't very good, Traps. Um, let's start at the bottom. Oh, boy. <laughs> Osa, I think Awuzo, Awuzi, I messed that up. Well, give me the name. How do you pronounce his name out of UCLA? Osa Adigazua. Osa Adigazua. Okay, that's easy enough. Yeah, I, this class isn't very good just to kind of, not to be like a bummer of a guest, but the, the D tackle class is not good. I, if we see one or two defensive tackles go in the first round, that would actually be kind of surprising. With Odigazua, He's kind of this unique player that he played all up and down the line at UCLA. 6'2", 282, so it's a really weird body type. Uh, and he wins just with that first step quickness to get through a gap. Uh, good leverage because he's so built so low to the ground. There's great center of gravity to his game. The pass rushing moves aren't really there yet, and I don't know how amazing of an athlete he is outside of that first step. But a, a team that really prioritizes, say in the second or third round, like someone that could play nose tackle on a play, then play uh, against an offensive tackle, then play three technique. That's Osa Odigazua, uh, someone that's a little bit limited athletically and with his pass rushing moves, but plays with deceptive power because he's built so low to the ground. Okay. Uh, moving along, Davion Nixon out of Iowa, number four for you. Davion Nixon is probably the most like ready to be a quality pass rusher of any of these defensive tackles in the NFL. He's 6'3", 313. I didn't really see him being that big on film, but he wins with his handwork and what you were saying in the previous segment about NFL teams liking Pat Fitzgerald and that system. I think Kirk Ferentz and, and guys in the trenches, they know playing at Iowa, they're very well coached, and Nixon shows that. Has a, a array of pass rushing moves and good lateral quickness. If he's playing three technique on the outside shoulder of a guard, he can quickly get across the gap and penetrate through the middle. He's not very powerful. And in the run game, I think he gets washed out a little bit more than I would like to see. But 
in the second round, if you're like, hey, this is a pretty polished pass rusher, that's around the value of where you want to pick someone like Davion Nixon. Okay. And Milton Williams, Louisiana Tech. I mean, we're talking, we're not talking first rounders here, right? No, these guys are not first rounders, no. But Milton Williams has the chance to maybe go, if there's any prop bets for Milton Williams, maybe bet, uh, that he'll be picked higher than any of like the speculation out there. The guy had a 38 and a half inch vertical and wow. had under a seven second three cone time. And that's like the threshold seven seconds at six three and 284 pounds. Like that, a 38 and a half inch vertical and a three cone under seven seconds. Like you're taking that if you're a running back or even a wide receiver at like a hundred pounds less than that. So he's a crazy athlete, pretty good pass rushing moves. And you watch most of his film, uh, obviously not playing great competition. You're like, this guy's like a top 15 pick, but then you realize, oh, like he's playing Southern Miss and some lower level offensive lines. Right. I, the only reason why I'm a little concerned with him, I, I love the predictive powers of athleticism and he certainly has that and good pass rushing moves. When they played BYU, he was invisible. And that offensive line with Brady Christensen, who's going to be drafted, a few other really good blockers and just Zach Wilson. He, I, I don't think he had a pressure all game. So he was mm. very productive when they didn't play a, a really good offensive line. So I think Milton Williams will almost be drafted on his athleticism alone and the fact that he's pretty good using his hands. 6'3, 284, kind of an interest, kind of an interesting body type. Um, but it, it's someone that I think will need some polish in dealing with the power that he's going to face once he gets to the NFL. All right, and the top two guys, potential first-rounders, I think, here, Christian Barmore yeah. out of Alabama and Levi Onwuzuriki, who I almost pronounced correctly. Christian Barmore is the guy who will probably go somewhere in the first round, and I think it will be a little bit partially because of a recency bias that in the college football playoff against Notre Dame and then Ohio State, he was awesome. He completely wrecked both of those offensive lines. But if you watch earlier in Alabama's full season – there was a lot of games where Christian Barmore like was not invisible, but did not look like a first round pick. He's pretty tall. He's six four, three ten. There's not a lot of really good pass rushing defensive tackles that are that size. He uses his hands well. We know Nick Saban coaches them up pretty well. What's interesting about Barmore is that most Alabama defensive tackles are like amazing run defenders because mm. of that system. And they kind of lack in the pass rush department. He's the opposite. He's a good pass rusher. But I think he's actually somewhat of a liability because he plays so high and there's not a ton of power to his game uh, when he needs to defend the run. But because of the Alabama pedigree, Nick Saban, all the uh, Alabama defensive linemen that have gone in the first round, and most of which have played pretty well, I think Christian Barmore is the guy who will probably be picked at defensive tackle in round one. I actually like the idea, and I'm looking at it on William Hill right now. So Quiddy Pay is minus 180 to be the first DL drafted, then Jalen Phillips at two to one, and then Barmore and Gregory Rousseau at eight to one. I don't mind splashing on Barmore at eight to one to be the first. I would do it. The first, I mean, you're done eight to one. So I mean, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not expecting this to hit, but if he's the first guy taken, I just think these, these edge rushers and these defensive linemen are so all over the place. Anybody could go first overall. I'd rather gamble, uh, Jason Owe, uh, Owa, is it Owe or Owa? Owe, Owe. Owe. Yeah. I got it right the first time. There you go. Yeah. Uh, he's 12 to one, which I don't, I don't hate either. So I think instead of paying the price for Quiddy Pay at minus 180, I'm, I'm splashing on one of the guys at a little bit longer odds. One thing on that, I think that's the smart bet because 
I believe that teams feel like it's Christian Barmore and then there's a pretty big drop off. So if it seems like, Hey, like we kind of need some more interior rush and most teams do. Let's pick Barmore here at like 18 if we're the Raiders or 17 if we're the Raiders. And especially, you know, they just released Maurice Hurst. They, they have a need on their defensive line. I could see that or even earlier saying like, Hey, let's just get the consensus. I mean, not my consensus rankings, but like the consensus defensive tackle, like the top defensive tackle here right. because there's a big drop off after that. Yep. Absolutely. All right. And so finally, old Levi out of Washington, the, uh, the, the number one overall defensive tackle for you. Levi Anwazurke, I think, is the most ready to be a three-down defensive tackle. That at Washington, he's a little bit undersized. They had him like playing nose tackle, like he weighed 350 pounds, but he's not. He's like 6'3", 280, 285, very good anchoring against double teams. I don't know how he was doing that at like well under 300 pounds. Lead pipes for arms, like very heavy hands, knows how to use pass rushing moves. And he's another one that he's built a little bit lower to the ground, a lot of quickness to power conversion just right at the point of attack. So I think uh, he, he's not a crazy specimen. I have him graded at the back part of the first round, but just someone that has a very high floor that's just going to be good on first, second, and third down for you. Okay, and is this a, like where does he – how does he compare to Barmore in terms of ability to rush the passer from the interior? He's not quite there, but I think he's close. And Barmore later in the season, especially in the college football playoff, was given more just a rush up the field. He was outstanding. Anwazurke was like asked to like two gap from the zero technique spot. And there, the uh, times where Washington let him face a guard one on one, you saw like him win in, in a variety of ways with power, with a swim move, with just first step quickness. So he's one that it, it will, kind of depend on how the team that ultimately picks him views him in terms of their scheme. I would just let him rush the passer. And on occasion, you know, if you need to kick him lower, closer to the football, you could do that. Just very strong player. And I think he understands that he can beat blockers in a variety of ways. All right. Love it. That's a great stuff. That's the offensive line and defensive line. It's not the sexiest group, but they several, I mean, I think we're probably looking at at minimum, I don't know, four or five of those guys are, are going to end up in the first round when you combine the two the two positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, traps. Great stuff, Yeah, buddy. definitely. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.